Rounding out the guest list uh, for the week, as always, Yael Osowski from the Consumer Choice Center, uh, the host of the Consumer Choice uh, radio program, Saturdays at 10 o'clock uh, right here on the Big Talker FM. Friend of the program, uh, doing this, that, and the other for us, uh, well, on the air and uh, behind the scenes. If you go to BigTalkerFM.com, a lot of his uh, web development work uh, showcased uh, through our website uh, some of the things uh, that he does the many things that he does to put food on the table for his family yeah yeah i hope you're doing well out there in vienna austria this morning this afternoon for you yeah joe things are great here in fact it's a uh, sweater weather so i'm making sure i've got my nice little turtleneck on it's already getting a bit chilly um, so that pumpkin spice season is here for everybody. Well, for yourself. Now, yesterday it was about 78 degrees uh, here in Wilmington, but I have some friends that are out in the mountains right now, and they were uh, hiking up Grandfather Mountain, and over the you know, the walkway there, they had uh, their scullies on and uh, the fleeces and the sweaters, and I was like, yeah, I'm not there yet, uh, though we're headed to the mountains uh, in a couple of weeks uh, I'm a beach guy, so I want 80 degrees all year long. I'll take 95. I just uh, I want the sand in between my toes, and I want the ocean. We can still swim in the Atlantic over here, but uh, good for you out there in Austria in your fall weather. I, I hope you enjoy it. Well, thanks so much. But also, that's the great thing about North Carolina, by the way, is that we do have the beaches. We do have the mountains and everything in between. In fact, uh, they're highlighted in a book that I read to my daughter I try to read her every night, is Good Night, North Carolina. And it covers everything across the entire state, all the great uh, landmarks and artifacts, and uh, hoping I can show her the whole state. I mean, she's already been to definitely the Piedmont region, already been to Wilmington, already been out to the coast. Uh, still have to hit the mountains, though. That's next on the list for her. Well, and, and with that, uh, I think that should be reading for every small child uh, here in our state. Learn a little bit about where you live and uh, you know the places that... Uh, well, are so remarkable here in this uh, beautiful state. There's a reason why tens of thousands of people each year are flocking to North Carolina, like you said, from the mountains to the coast and everywhere in between. Yeah, it's a beautiful place, um, definitely for growing up, definitely for kids. I mean, it's a very diverse state in terms of not only its people, uh, but just all the different physical activities we can do, outdoor stuff. Um, and it's a place where you can enjoy all four seasons. Obviously, it's going to be a, a bit later until you're, you're freezing and you might have to put on pants there, Joe. Uh, you might have to go around in flip-flops a bit longer. But still the great thing about being in North Carolina and being a North Carolinian is that we can say we have one of the most beautiful places in the entire world. Yeah, no question. And uh, with that said, Yael, of course, uh, we call attention to many of the articles uh, that you get published uh, across uh, the world, uh, around the world. And you have a new piece uh, related to uh, the virus and the lockdowns uh, over at InsideSources.com. And the uh, title of the article is Overreaching Lockdowns Are Flattening Our Livelihoods. Would you care to explain the case that you laid out uh, while people are encouraged, of course, to read the entirety of the article over at InsideSources.com? Yeah, so this is uh, basically the argument is that we're, we're now living through many months of this pandemic, and many places have had the lockdowns, they've, they've come and gone, and now people are actually understanding the consequences of the places that are going under lockdown yet again. And the places that are going under lockdown again is you have the United Kingdom, there are various parts and various cities that are now putting together new lockdowns. Uh, you have in uh, Canada, my home country there, 
the province of Quebec and Ontario, they're going back under full lockdown. So actually no restaurants apart from takeaway service. Um, in North Carolina, I know we're at phase three, but still that means that, you know, you're not able to go to your favorite bar and enjoy drinks like you were able to with the at full capacity. And, you know, when we look at the, the entire idea of these lockdowns and, and everything that came in the beginning, the idea was to make sure that we did not overwhelm our healthcare systems. And in most places, this did not happen. Um, if that was the goal, it was successful. Uh, but now this is being used as yet another strategy uh, to make sure that we eradicate the virus completely, which is never going to happen. Um, and, you know, we're, we can sit here and play armchair epidemiologist all day, but we're talking about policies that actually impact people's lives. And what we have seen is that when you have government mandates that say that businesses are not able to be open, they're not able to serve customers, that means that these businesses can no longer make any money and our livelihoods are being flattened. And, uh, you know, it might not be the case in, uh, let's say, Wilmington when you walk down the street, but in many parts of the United States, you still do have these kind of lockdowns. Look at California, San Francisco. Uh, we were speaking with someone for our radio show that says in San Francisco, ban Francisco, uh, they still have a huge lockdown. And what happens in these circumstances is small-time entrepreneurs who do not have the capital of Bank of America or all these larger corporations, you know, they're basically having to go underwater, uh, having to fire all of their employees and figure out a game plan. And that is not a way to live. It's not a way to mitigate the virus. And it's certainly not a way that we're going to continue to feed our families and our people. I think with uh, more of, of the reactions that we're seeing from scientists and the papers that we're reading, the lockdowns have had very bad effects. You know, thankfully, that was brought up a little bit in the presidential debate earlier this week. But this is something that cannot continue. And somebody has to, you know, kind of sound the bullhorn here. We have to really be cognizant of what happens when government says you're not allowed to do business. Now, this is taking the agency away from responsible businesses who can go out there and provide great services, knowing full well that there is a pandemic. There are ways to mitigate these things, but not even giving people the opportunity to do so is going to be bad, not just for those businesses, but everyone who goes there, everyone who depends on those businesses, uh, both in terms of selling products and going there. And that's not a way forward. It's, it's got to be a more positive way of thinking now. We have to look more towards the end of this. And that means giving people a little bit of responsibility and hopefully a little bit of independence so that these lockdowns won't flatten us anymore. Well, after reading your article over at uh, InsideSources.com, again, the title, Overreaching Lockdowns Are Flattening Our Livelihoods, you know, I was really looking forward to hearing your thoughts, you know, because you have a unique perspective in that you have ties and sources across multiple countries on two different continents. And uh, this is information, of course, uh, here within our region uh, that you're getting nowhere else. So to be able to give us a little insight into what's going on in you know, Montreal, Quebec, uh, what is the, the EU doing in some of the countries within Europe? Uh, and then, of course, you know, how every state has kind of differed in their approach uh, uh, throughout uh, you know, the United States. With that said, you know, when we look at the, the global perspective and you see how it's been played out here, we're in the middle of an election cycle, orange man bad, all of that, and how it's been politicized here in the States. 
What's it been like north of the border in Canada and out in the EU? Has it been equally as uh, you know political politically energized, or has it been more from you know people taking it more from the 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 reality standpoint uh, that uh, you know we have this situation, uh, we flattened the curve if that's what you want to say, but uh, by and large we do need to have some type of freedom uh, to go about our lives, try to make a, a living, and do so in, in a manner where people you know feel comfortable in, in doing it. Well, we've got a very good example right in front of me, Joe. It is, um, where, what are we, 2nd of October. Uh, there's actually a city election uh, that is happening in Vienna, Austria on the 11th. So it's coming up. They've already got the election posters everywhere. And actually, one thing of debate is a little bit about how the lockdowns have been carried out and whether or not we should continue to live under COVID restrictions. Uh, so there's actually one party. It's it's sort of the, the, the far-right uh, Freedom Party, they call themselves, uh, they have a lot of their posters that say, you know, we have to stop the corona uh, shikanen. So it's kind of like the we have to stop the the crazy, ridiculous rules and regulations that are holding people back. So there is this kind of, I guess, uh, there, there's a big appetite uh, for people who think many of the restrictions are just going too far. Um, they're actually just very politically minded, and they're not really doing much to actually stop the virus. So there's been a lot of debates about schools, uh, but schools here are open. Uh, people are only having to wear masks upon entering or if they go out. But, you know, for really, you know, the, I would say the majority of people, things are getting somewhat back to normal. Um, the, the lockdown mentality is kind of gone, but it's still there. And there are a lot of people who would love to shut down for much, much longer. But we're seeing that debate being carried out. And I think that's very interesting. We'll see what happens with the, the local election. Um, not that your, your, your listeners in Wilmington were just waiting on the edge of your seat there for the city council election in Vienna. But, you know, when we have the next round of, of different elections that are coming, not just in the United States, but in different countries in Spain and Italy, uh, you know, this is really going to have a huge impact. And we're going to see that there's a huge bias now against lockdowns by the voting public, because the voting public in many ways, they've taken every single precaution that they've could. Everybody's gone out and bought their own custom masks now. Everybody's got gloves and everybody's putting Lysol on everything. So we're living with this, but let's allow ourselves to be open a little bit. So I, I, I do see some, some positive movement. Unfortunately, there are some travel restrictions. Um, even Germany now says they don't want Austrians uh, to cross the border, uh, people coming from, from different parts of, of the country. So that's not a good thing, not a good trend, uh, but still we can go out and do business. And I think that's, that's something that's very important. You know, maybe globally, you know, uh, everyday people say, listen, you know, we took very significant mitigation steps uh, to, you know, try and, uh, you know, flatten the curve, uh, slow the spread, you know, those two very uh, familiar terms and mantras uh, became ever present you know, back in February, March, and uh, the explanation was relatively straightforward. But since then, I think the goalposts have moved in so many different directions that uh, you know, the public lost trust in, in the way in which, uh, well, those officials were trying to carry things out. And uh, it was never to you know, make the virus disappear or crush the disease it was meant to, to well extend it out further so you know our hospitals and uh, our healthcare workers were not overrun and overwhelmed and i think when you look at it from that aspect 
Yeah, here in our country, of course, 207,000 people have passed either from or, or because of uh, you know, something related to the virus, and that's terrible. But for 330 million people in this country, you know, uh, life has to go forward at some point or another. We have to move forward because what has not been discussed at length that has been the long-term economic impacts, the long-term psychological impacts, uh, the stresses, the anxieties, the pressures that come along with economic issues and uncertainty, and then the social issues, you know, for young people. We already have enough time, a uh, hard enough time with our young people to try and get them socially engaged and talking with people kind of face-to-face that interpersonal uh, uh, conversation uh, without a screen in front of them and all of those issues you know are going to have some long-term effects you, you can't deny that yet we rarely discuss it yeah it's, it's going to be bad for social interaction there's no doubt i'm actually kind of in a covid limbo myself joe uh, we actually had uh, our daughter who went to uh, preschool for the first time this week and there's a positive covid case in the class so then all the parents are warned, and then we're not really sure if we're going to uh, be able to go out determining whether or not the test for that other person is positive. So we're kind of like in a limbo, and then that means our daughter's going to have to stay at home. She can't go meet these new friends and, and play and go out. And you can just imagine if you're at the middle school or high school level, you know, these are times when you need social interaction. It's, it's uh, frankly how a lot of us are kept in check <laughs> by, you know, what happens in the high schools and in the hallways. Uh, so I, I do kind of uh, lament that for a lot of uh, the younger people who are living through this. It's definitely going to be something to remember, but uh, I think we have a very healthy society that can push back against a lot of this. And I think in a couple months, this will all be behind us and we can start uh, thinking about the bigger issues, Joe. Yael Lasowski with us from the Consumer Choice Center, the global grassroots movement for consumer choice. You can find out more about what they do on their website at consumerchoicecenter.org, also host of... The Consumer Choice Radio Show, it airs at 10 o'clock Saturday mornings uh, right here on the Big Talker FM. Yael, given the, well, time that you may be at home with the, you know, this decision that is kind of, you know, getting tossed around back and forth with you and your wife regarding your child in preschool, uh, I, I'm guessing that you have some other, you know, issues that you're able to dig into a little bit further because you're sitting in your house and just kind of, you know, waiting to see where we're going to go with this. You know, what else is uh, kind of topped uh, your list of items of interest uh, that you want to talk about here this morning? So one thing that uh, my colleague David and I did, uh, we both host Consumer Choice Radio, but we, we wanted to do like a, a nice graph where we compared every single U.S. state by their vaping regulations. Now, I, I've spoken about vaping before in the program, Joe. Obviously, it's a great potential new technology for harm reduction and getting people uh, to stop smoking. And it's something that is really judged differently in different states. And we made a, a list showing how harsh these regulations are in various states. North Carolina came out right in the middle, so it got a C grade. Um, actually, it, it has a very good flavor law. It has pretty good in terms of online sales. The only thing that dog North Carolina is the taxes are a bit high. But it is absolutely no surprise to you that the worst states when it comes to vaping, California, New York, Illinois, Massachusetts, I mean, 
did you really doubt that that, that would happen? Uh, these are states where usually taxes are very high, where they do not allow many of these alternative technologies. They tend to be more paternalistic societies. These are full-time legislators that work all the time. All of these state legislators are paid very handsome salaries. North Carolina, our legislators don't get paid very much and usually always have other jobs. But in all these other states, these are full-time legislators. They just pump out bill after bill after bill, and they've actually made the, the kind of nascent vaping industry. They've really hampered them with a lot of restrictions, a lot of regulations on flavors, a lot of uh, regulations on taxes, whether or not you can sell online. I mean, that's bad for people who want an alternative. Here's something that the market is providing, and people are not able to access that, and that's a problem. So that, that's uh, one thing that we've been working on. It's a nice little colored graphic on our website where you can look at your state and your, uh, your area of the country and see if it's green, yellow, or red. And uh, I think the, the, at least the vaping world has had a lot of fun with it this week. ConsumerChoiceCenter.org, where you can find that uh, map. And uh, with that said, it's just a surprise to me. You know, you look at these uh, very progressive states, and we talk about you know, regulations and uh, taxes on, on you know that have been put on the people or, or the products in which uh, people uh, consume as alternatives, in large part to you know to nicotine and traditional smoking. Uh, Oh, it's just amazing to me. Places like California, Massachusetts, two states that have legalized cannabis, marijuana, for recreational use, yet have put the hammer down on vape products. That's very interesting to see. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sorry to say, Joe, but your home state of New Jersey is also in the red. Uh, they actually have uh, their own flavor ban and high taxes. Probably not a surprise to you. That's not my home state anymore, Yael. I, I there we go. Good man. He's a North Carolina man now. Yeah. I think I heard the uh, the intro song at the beginning. Yes, I loved right. it. That, that's North Carolina pride right there. And, uh, I mean, you know, uh, how do you like your pork? That's the big question here in North Carolina these days, given the fact that uh, the Democrat candidate, Cal Cunningham, was apparently modeling an apron that said ambassador of North Carolina barbecue while standing next to a gas grill with brioche, hamburger, and hot dog buns and a plastic spatula. Uh, that's not the way to get in the hearts and minds of North Carolinians that you're see who you're seeking for uh, to vote for uh, come election time. Not the way to do it here in North Carolina. <laughs> not at all, Joe. I mean, come on. Even having the grill there, oh, man, I, there was a lot to look uh, to look at that and criticize. But I, I'm glad that you did it. That's why people listen to Joe Catanacci in the mornings on the radio. And, and listen, you know, you have been critiqued at nauseum on social media based on your smoking skills and your smoker that you recently purchased out in Vienna. Yeah, I mean, look, if I could do a vaping, uh, you know, smoker thing for, for my meat, it'd be great. But when we're looking at <laughs> trying to do uh, smoked meat and trying to put it together and you get your big smoker, you know, people are always criticizing how long you put it on there, the different spices. It's a crazy world. If you think politics is bad, that is actually an area where people are even worse. So thank you, social media. Yeah, yeah. quickly, what do we have in store for you tomorrow during the Consumer Choice Radio Show? 10 o'clock tomorrow morning here on The Big Talker. So David and I do a really good uh, sort of breakdown of the debate. You probably heard a good amount, but not from David and myself. So we do that. And then we have an interview with uh, Spectator USA uh, editor Melissa Chen. Uh, she's actually very good on the Chinese Communist Party. She's very critical of the regime there and gives us some awesome insights as to what's really happening. And uh, she was a former guest on Joe Rogan. So uh, always good to connect the 
the Rogan Catanachi Consumer Choice Radio audience. And, uh, you know, uh, Joe Rogan, of course, you know, being uh, touted as uh, the person that should be the next moderator of uh, the presidential debates. Who knows uh, that'll go on? Talk about you know, a way to overshadow your debate performance, uh, which, you know, middle of the road type people kind of a little you know squirmy the other day from Tuesday's debate with the, the president, of course. What a way to overshadow it. Just get the Rona. And then all of that goes goes out the door. Yeah, it's this is now this is the big story and everything's everyone's talking about, but not going to be on our show. Don't worry, we stick to the facts and the issues. Yeah, yo, thanks a lot for the time, brother. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Joe. Bye. That's Yaya Lasowski with the Consumer Choice Center right here, only on the Big Talker FM.